Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Tiptoe Through the Tulips with your hosts, Aaron Cunningham, Matthias Crook, and Travis Wright. This week, we are still in Chapter 11, where we will remain for some time, I am quite certain. And we're going to be tackling Sections 8 through 11 and uh, continuing our conversation on idols and the image of God. So, turning our attention to Chapter 8... I see, first and foremost, that, uh, Matthias, you noted uh, that this idea of idols, uh, well, you noted from Calvin's writings, that the idea of idols originated from things that were created to honor the dead and from some sort of superstitious regard to the memory of the dead. And so I wanted to know, why did that stick out to you? Well, because it was the first sentence in the section. Um, Naturally, yes. <laughs> also, uh, so he, he started off by saying that there's a um, a universal statement that basically is saying that um, idols, uh, like the physical idols, um, the carvings, the, the paintings, whatever, they started as a way to memorialize the dead. And he says, uh, no. He goes, this happened way before then. Um but I'd never heard that. Uh, the reason I highlighted because I'd never heard that argument. Um, I think that we have pretty conclusive evidence that idol worship has gone back to like the you know the very very beginning, um, and not necessarily just to memorialize, um, like in a superstitious way, the the dead family members. But I had you guys ever heard that argument before? That was the first for me. Yeah. Same. Yeah, I uh, I had not either, but it really got me thinking, and, and I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on this. Um, what would be, I mean, is it appropriate at all to have any kind of uh, a commemoration of someone who's passed? I mean, obviously here in the West, we typically give people a Christian burial and we place a headstone or a tombstone uh, on their grave, I mean, it, would that be problematic for Calvin, do we think? Or what about, obviously, I think Calvin would have issues for different reasons for someone being uh, cremated and placed in an urn, but would an urn also be a problematic thing for Calvin that would be viewed as an idol? What are your guys' thoughts? Man, I, mean, I, I hope of... not, because I've got I've got a bust of Martin Luther staring me down right now. Um so if Wait, is so, Martin Luther in the bust? No, it's just, <laughs> it's just his face, and it's on my desk, uh, and it's got this very um, condescending kind of look to him, very stern look, um, and it, it makes me do my homework faster because it seems like he's judging me for how poorly I'm doing. Um, yeah, I, uh, I have that bust, and then I also have... A bust of John Calvin that also has the same <laughs> condescending and judgmental look. And I'm sure he probably rolls in his grave at the notion that I have it. Great. Now no. I need to commission those busts and also a bust of Matthias and Aaron so they can look down on me with disappointing looks as well. <laughs> uh, to your point, though, I, I don't think that's necessarily what he's talking about. I think that what he's talking about would probably be more aligned with other... Um, um, other traditions with with other nationalities and countries where uh, the you know the the dead kind of end up becoming a shrine. Um, so in 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 the case that he's talking about, I would imagine it's it was 
some kind of idol that would be it said to be bestowed upon the honor of the dead from a superstitious regard to their memory. Um, so almost like how a, I'm trying to think of a way that we can put it into our own context. And the only way I can think to do that is like when we kind of bestow the dead to be like, we, we give them this uh, image of like becoming an angel uh, after they're gone. And suddenly now they're our guardian angel. And so they are the ones that protect us and they are the ones that um, watch over us. And I think that once you've kind of moved into that territory um, where the grave becomes a type of shrine, uh, the memory now has a superstition kind of attached to it, that kind of idolizing, I think, is what he's getting at here. Not not necessarily just, you know, um, having a ceremony for uh, a a dead loved one because I mean we saw in in the scriptures when Jesus died um, the women were going down to the tomb to you know just kind of be near him um, and I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that yeah I okay. agree with that um, also I will say I've been to a visited seminary that uh, in their shop their bookshop sold uh, Charles Spurgeon bobbleheads so I mean, and I trust the seminary, so if that's a sin... Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, because seminaries are never rife with bad theology. <laughs> it's one that I trust. <laughs> okay. What did you think? Well, do, you, did you, do, you feel like, do you feel like we answered that well, or did you have an answer of your own, Aaron? Yeah, Aaron. Uh, you know, I, I think you answered it more liberally than I would have. Um, you know, I really do think Calvin was so anti-image... Uh, coming out of the Reformation, that he would be abhorred by uh, a bust of of a human being. Uh, but, I mean, obviously I think that there's a lot to be said for the context of what's the purpose of you having that bust and what are you doing with that bust. So obviously he would be against, you know, kneeling down and praying to it or communing with it the way that you would commune with, you know, God. Um, or even another living person. But uh, as far as, you know, would it be not okay to have that kind of a, a memorabilia of a person um, just, you know, to remember them by? I don't know. I, I think obviously we're talking about something different here than we have been in the past sections where we've been talking about something that's created, intended to resemble God himself. Uh, here we're talking about things that are used to remember people. Uh, and so I think there's maybe some more leniency for that. Um, but I do think that it's something, obviously, we have to be careful of. Um, and I'll be honest with you, when I came into the Reformed faith, one of the um, criticisms that I, I had, and I still have, is I think that there is a lot of emphasis on the Reformers, which is, you know, helpful in that they establish a lot of solid theology well they don't establish it they um, resurrect a lot of solid theology in the reformation but i do think it's problematic because it's very easy for them to be elevated to an idol status and i know that's the last thing calvin or any of the reformers would have wanted so uh, it's something that i think we need to tread cautiously with for sure yeah i've thought the same thing um in regards to how how highly esteemed they are um, but so it, to kind of push back a little bit on what you're saying, um, do you think that it would go so far as, um, 
because obviously back then the only way to get a, a good you know depiction of somebody is through a painting um let's say that calvin was around during the time of cameras do you think that he would have a problem with um a picture of a loved one who had passed on being set up on a mantle to re- uh, remember them by yeah, I don't I don't know. That's a good question because I mean that's exactly what he's going after in this first sentence of 8 is that idols originated with those who bestowed this honor on the dead from a superstitious regard to their memory. And I mean I I guess it maybe the 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 word we have to hone in on is the superstitious regard, right? So if it's just for the purpose of, you know, keeping it as a reminder of them, I, I guess it's okay. Uh, but if it's, you know, anything beyond that, then obviously I think that he would condemn it. Hmm. Yeah, so I think you, it's all about... Oh, no. No, no please, okay, go ahead. No, I'll, I'll wait a little longer. I'll wait a no, little no, 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 please. I promise you, I don't have anything important to say. All I was going to say is, yeah, I think it's the lens <laughs> under which you view it with, because I think every reference uh, that Calvin is making to in this is hoisting that image to a status above which we should have our focus on God. And I don't think you can get there with, like, I've never thought of in my life of loved ones passed on, like a picture of them being of a status of, like, uh, being a distraction necessarily necessarily to my worship of God. So that's just all I had to say. Hmm. Well, so he goes on to make the point later, because the, the the whole reason he brought this this whole thing up is to kind of fight against it and say, no, 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 it didn't start with um, just trying to remember loved ones who had passed on. He says that this has been going on since the beginning. And he brought up um, Genesis thirty-one nineteen, and he says, um, he relates that Rachel stole her father's images. He speaks of the use of idols as common vice. Hence, we may infer that the human mind is, so to speak, a perpetual forge of idols. Um two things first off i have always heard him say that it's the human heart that is the idol factory and so i would prefer a little bit more consistency with my calvinism um (laughs) that's a joke uh and second i don't know i i hadn't apparently read genesis 31 19 did you guys have you guys ever read that verse yeah aaron and i actually probably read it most recently um at the beginning of this year when we were doing our bible through a year thing which every time I say that, I just get a little more convicted that I haven't jumped back on yet. <laughs> anyway, but no, and I have the passage pulled up right now, and it has uh, the teraphim, uh, T-E-R-A-P-H-I-M, and it said, These are images of figures of varying sizes, usually of nude goddesses with uh, accentuated sexual features, either signaled um, either signaled uh, special protection for inheritance rights for... Uh, guaranteed fertility uh, for the bear. Uh, it was a pagan, like, household god, essentially, like figurines. Oh, okay. Well, and it, so, I mean, it, it's just so, from what I can see in the verse, it says that, uh, it just says it's so matter-of-factly that she went in and stole the household's gods. Um, right. Yeah, I remember reading this back in January. Uh, Travis, I don't know if you've gotten there yet in your reading plan. Oh my gosh, you're the worst. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But yeah, I remember being so disappointed in Rachel because, I mean, I feel like the bulk of Scripture kind of holds her out to be a woman that's desired to be sought after, obviously, right? I always think of the story with Jacob and the great efforts he went to to, to land that. Um, 
<laughs> and and here she is immediately turning to pagan idols um and it's just like what are you doing like don't you know better than that and and then i'm reminded that's pretty much everybody in the history of forever it's like they have these moments where god works very evidently through them and they're very godly people and then there are moments where they act out of a place of flesh and do very silly things hmm. well and even further in that uh, study it says uh or perhaps possession by Rachel uh, would call for Jacob to be recognized as the head of the household at Laban's death. So she was using it as a symbol of status as well, which is also, you know, idolatry in a sense. That's interesting. So, yeah, that's that's really, really interesting because it does kind of show that even those who, I mean, essentially in lineage were closer to, you know, Adam who walked with Jesus or walked with, uh, with God— um, even those people, it doesn't matter how far away we are from, you know, whoever or whatever, uh, we still feel this inherent need to create a physical symbol of God. Um, but in this case, it says multiple gods. Um, we still feel this need to worship something outside of us, even those inside the faith, technically. That uh, it's it's a it's it's a it's a little bit of an indictment, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's a, a lot of bit of an, an indictment. So to keep things moving along here, uh, what else did we get out of section eight? What stood out to you guys? Um, I just had a quick question, um, because this might just be my uh, lack of uh, knowledge, but um uh. In section 8, kind of in the middle, it says, uh, uh, There is reason to believe that the that in the Holy Patriarch's lifetime, his j grandchildren were given uh, to idolatry. Uh, my question is, when it refers to the Holy Patriarch, um, who is it referring to? Is that Abraham? Is that uh, Jesus? I, I honestly do not know who that's talking about. Abraham is the Patriarch. Okay, I've just never heard that actually referred to as such. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes perfect sense. That's why, yeah. And that's kind of what I was trying to say, but he said it a lot better than me, that even even Abraham's grandchildren, you know, no matter how close you are to the, the lineage of uh, somebody great in the faith, even those people were given to idolatry to a, to a, like a pretty awful degree. Yeah. So... But it doesn't really surprise us because, I mean, Calvin's kind of talked about this quite a bit um, leading up to this, right? Like a couple of months ago, we went through um, uh, what chapter was it where he said that our purpose is to worship God. Um, not just to worship in general, but our purpose is to worship God. And if we're not fulfilling that purpose, then we have to try to fill that void somehow. So really it doesn't it doesn't really surprise me to learn that other people even though they're in the line of faith um still are searching for something else to worship because if you're not doing the one thing that you were created for the one purpose you have you're going to try to fill that somewhere um so yeah it 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 does kind of come back on us a little bit because you know, we are also kind of being indicted in this if we are in any way given to any kind of 
worship outside of the one purpose that we've been given. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, it's interesting how Calvin talks about a little bit later, and I see where one of you guys highlighted this, but the idea that we believe that God has to be physically present or carnally exhibited in some way uh, for us to, you know, really have meaningful worship. And uh, and it's, you know, out of this desire to have that carnal existence that we create these idols, physical idols. Um, do you think that's still as much of a problem in, you know, 2020 as it was back in the time of the Reformation or back in Bible times? Yes. Yeah, desiring a carnal form? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Do you think that's true in the West? Like Absolutely. Like the Americas? Really? Yeah. What, what idols do you see? Well, so I kind of I kind of pointed this out a little bit in my notes. Um, so we we are constantly looking to something um, to give us some kind of hope because Calvin says that uh, we they they do this because they knew indeed that there was a God whose mighty power had experienced so many miracles, but they had no confidence in His being near to them. If they did not with their eyes behold a corporeal symbol of his presence as an attestation to his actual government. I think of people who wear crosses um, and not just as a symbol of their faith, but as a way of like, you know, of of good luck, quote unquote. Um, I think of people who uh, have, obviously he's talking about the Catholic Church, so I would think of um, the people within the Catholic Church who have uh, saints hanging in their car for protection. Um, I would think of, I know it's not necessarily a Western religion, but if you think of a religion like Buddhism or Hinduism, where um, icons and figurines are very important, I, I think of that. So yeah, I think that it's just as prevalent now as it ever has been. Travis, do you have thoughts? I don't know. Do I? Well, I I couldn't tell you. I'm not omniscient. Um, no, I mean I just agree with what Matthias says on that. Um, I think we see um, pretty much every day. Well, not right now, but most days when you were in normal our normal lifetime, we see idols just everywhere, and we see it's almost a style of propaganda, especially within the marketing scheme of things. So, I mean, yeah, we're constantly craving it. Yeah. You sounded surprised when I said yes, Aaron. Yeah, I, I am. And, and I think you brought out a couple of good examples with, you know, crosses or crucifixes and then definitely with, like, um, saints, which I feel like I always get in trouble with part of our listenership when I make comments like that. But um, I think you're absolutely right. I think, though... Beyond that, the more prominent, more insidious, and more pernicious form of idol is more of an abstract thing. Uh, so it's not a figurine meant to depict some sort of you know pagan god or to depict some person of power or authority. It's things like money, status, wealth, or I guess money and wealth are pretty synonymous. But um, you know, it's it's these abstract concepts. Um, it's not necessarily something of actual spiritual 
idolatry, but it's a carnal idolatry. Sure. But I, I think that was that was still probably the case back in the time that Calvin wrote this too. Um, and I think that was also the case back when Moses was writing Genesis. Um, so I, I would have to think that that's the, the just just like um, the fact that idols in a physical form have carried on. I would think that you know it's it's safe to say that um, the abstract idol has also carried on. Um, but I mean we have to realize that Calvin kind of says it later on here too that basically. Um, when the Jews created the golden calf, their, um, their intent was to worship God, the true God. Um, they wanted to do, they wanted to do it in a way that they were both satisfied because they could see a physical symbol of God and that God would be glorified because they were, you know, attributing his name to the, the worship. Um, so I think that like in the same way kind of what I was talking about earlier, the idea of making, you know, a deceased family member, uh, uh, a guardian angel, or they've, they've gained their wings. It's kind of in my mind similar. And so that's why I asked about the picture on the mantle, because I think that I I've seen personally, um, plenty of people who have pictures of loved ones hanging up somewhere and they say, Oh yeah, they're our guardian angel. They're watching out for us. And they have this, they have this picture up there as a way to remember them. Um, I think that's just the same as building a golden calf because they're saying they're using Christian terms and they're saying that God gave grandma her wings and now she's our guardian angel. Um, I think that their intent is to be as Christian as possible, but I think that at the end of the day, it's still idolatry. And I think that it's still just as prevalent as ever. Yeah, I agree. And if it's uh, a note to be made, um, the reason I feel like this uh, session, I'm just going to say, yeah, I agree, just because Matthias got to the section first with his notes and basically um, didn't leave any good note uh, unturned. And so I have to just say, yeah, I agree. Yeah, dude, that's that's my end game. I want I want to be the one guy that I want you guys to look at my notes and to go, oh, that, that's what I was going to say. But you can't because it's already on the it's already on the screen. Actually, we should probably tell the listeners I'm no longer using a pen and paper. Um you guys bullied me we, we, and peer pressured him. me enough uh, that I, I have to do it all online now, and we've got a Google Doc going. So I am now a part of the uh, 20th century, 21st century. No, no, no. 20th. 20th was right. I'm, I'm, I'm around. <laughs> Living in the past, man. <laughs> I'm finally catching up to the 90s, you guys. I'm pretty uh, – I'm, I'm sailing. <laughs> no, yeah, I that I just got to the to the notes first, Travis. That's all. Yeah, that's it. So one of my questions was, and then I deleted it, um, I said, uh, why, if this is the case, if we are prone as humans to search for some kind of physical symbol of God, um, and we're always going to turn to it, then that kind of, for me, begs the question, why doesn't God just give us a physical symbol to look at, to something that he would be like, okay, here, use this, whatever it is, uh, a statue or a piece of wood, and say, this is, I am consecrating this to you. You can use this. Look to this for hope. Why doesn't he do that? Oh, I know, because somebody highlighted it for me here in section 9. 
For as soon as a visible form is given to God, his power also is supposed to be annexed to it. So stupid are men that wherever they figure God, there they fix him, and by necessary consequence proceed to adore him. It makes no difference whether they worship the idol simply or God in the idol. It is always idolatry when divine honors are paid to an idol, be the color what it may. And because God will not be worshipped superstitiously, whatever is bestowed upon idols is so much robbed from him. So in layman's terms, I mean, it's essentially what we talked about the last couple of weeks, right? Anytime we are uh, confining God to some sort of physical manifestation, we are robbing him of the full glory and adoration that we should be giving to him. So I have a quick question on the back of that. Is there anything that cannot be an idol? Any any uh, physical or non-physical thing, for that matter. Anything that our minds can perceive. Is there anything that cannot be an idol? Everything has the potential to be an idol. Is that the question you're asking? Yes. And then that's my answer. Yeah, I think uh, any, any physical object... Um, as we talked about earlier, it all comes down to kind of the the attitude or intent you take to the object. Uh, anytime we're trying to subscribe something to a physical object that resembles adoration or worship um, or the desire of our heart, essentially, we are making that thing an idol. And so whether it be, you know, a blade of grass or the Taj Mahal, um, I mean, any physical entity has the potential to be an idol. Yeah, that's a that was a good question. I'm, I was trying to think of something that I could not perceive to be an idol at some point. I, I don't think that there is. That was a really good question, Travis. Right. Um, I was thinking of when I was a kid, I would always have these good luck charms. I would either find a rock that was really cool um, or uh, a little toy that was really nice that I could easily put in my pocket and I would carry them around and they would be my good luck charms. And if I ever got scared or, uh, whatever, um, I would just grab onto those and I would hold on to them and that would give me a sense of comfort. And I realize now that even something as small as I had a little tiny little plastic knife, uh, that I loved and even something as small as that, can be an idol even though i didn't attribute any necessarily i didn't uh consciously attribute any divine power to it um subconsciously and my intent was that it still had some some kind of supernatural or superstitious power that i could that i could glean from so yeah i think the answer is yes i think that there is there is an idol in everything That was yeah. a good question, Travis. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so let's move on. So the the part the hard part about doing this podcast is that really he kind of just is adding on to the last two weeks of what we've been talking about. And he, he, he does get into a few more different arguments, but it's stuff that we've already kind of covered. Um, and so it is a little bit difficult to figure out exactly what it is we haven't already touched on <laughs> which makes me wonder why he made chapter 11 so stinking long in the first place uh, thorough if nothing else yeah yeah that's true i mean were there any questions you raised that uh 
I'm trying to look through your notes. So actually, the, you you raise a good question, Travis. You said, um, is this specifying statues of God's likeness and stonework of God's image? Or does this mean any work that is made to glorify him, even if it doesn't try to capture his actual image? Um, what what did you have in mind when you were thinking? When so you I'm looking that? for that highlight. Yeah, the highlight is, um, <clears throat> uh, for this reason, the Lord not only uh, forbade the erection of statues to himself, but also the uh, consecration of tiles and uh, stones, which might be set up uh, for adoration. So, you know, part of that sounds like uh, the statues portion of it, which, I mean, it doesn't, it says to himself, but doesn't necessarily say of himself. So, I mean, you could have, because, like, the Washington Monument um, doesn't look like Washington at all, obviously. I mean, um, I'm just saying, like, I mean, but, I mean, it's, it's, it's his, like, he's named after it. Right. But, I mean, like, so, I mean, when it says statues to himself, I don't know if that means statues of the image of God or just statues that represent the image of God, or represent um, it, it points back to him and it says, but also the consecration of tiles and stonework, which might be set up for adoration. Is it saying in that, that, uh, you should not create, um, this art form to look like him or just if it, if it is used as adoration for him, like it doesn't necessarily represent his image, it should not be done. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that's what Calvin is trying to get at. I think that he's saying that because because he does he talks about the Jews with the the golden calf uh, twice in this in these four uh, sections that we're looking at, and in both of them, it's almost like he's saying it almost benignly, like like their actions themselves were almost benign outside of the command of God, um, because they had a good intent to or they had the intent to do good in the sight of God. But obviously God was not pleased because he killed half of them. Um, so I think that yes, God forbids any statute or any statue that would uh, try to convey his image and any monument like the Washington monument that would try to um, be erected in his honor. And I think that the reason for that is because Calvin says it a little bit later, um, basically that it doesn't take long for those objects to become the object of worship, um, which I think is probably his best argument. Um, because I well, think it, I think I've seen it in my own life where something that started out good then became like a ritual of some kind then became you know, if I don't do it this way, then X, Y, and Z will happen. And I think that we see that very similarly uh, in the, in the, like, well, I hate to, I hate to keep bringing up the Catholic Church. Um, I'm sure but, you do. Well, but they're just the easy target here because that's, that's who, tar- I think that's what Calvin had in the forefront of his mind. Right. But, I mean, when you look at, uh, if you, have you guys ever been to a Catholic Mass? Yep. Not to a Mass, no. So at the mass, when they come before the crucifix, they kneel, they give themselves the sign of the cross. And the intent is to be reverent, right? Um, and I would say that is a good intent. If you want to have any kind of intent when it comes to Christ, reverence is probably the top of the list. But at the same time, they are doing kind of what Calvin is talking about and what I think God has condemned, which is trying to in some way be seen 
or be heard by the object of the crucifix itself. Um, and you guys could probably disagree with me on that. Um, and by therefore, they are trying to in some way garner some kind of favor with the object, um, even though the intent is to be reverent towards Jesus. Um, I don't know. Do you guys, am I making sense or do you guys disagree with that at all? Uh, no, I agree. And I wanted to go back for a second. So if you want to say anything, Aaron, uh, go ahead. Nope. I uh, would agree with Matthias as much as it kills me because it feels like that's what most of this episode has been. <laughs> anyway, so, but no, just to, just to shift back real quick, because I do love that point. I was glad you, uh, I, I had seen your note. I was glad you brought that up. But to shift back when talking about the uh, monuments, talking about structures built for the adoration of God, though, how would you say that differs then from in the Old Testament when they build an altar for God? Hmm. Upon which, like, sacrifices are done, or even the tabernacle for that sake. And I know that's yeah. instructed by God, but how do we how do we uh, resolve that? Well, and on a similar... So I think that is the way you resolve it for, like, the temple and the tabernacle. We have specific, really obnoxiously thorough instructions from God <laughs> to do it. Um so thorough so thorough anyway um and the way moses chose to record those accounts is even more obnoxious because he tells god dictating it to him and then him dictating it to the people again and it's like <laughs> hey dude, kids we know <laughs> but anyway hey kids you know what a cubit is you're gonna yeah so um i think that's the easy explanation on that but one place my mind went when you're talking about like erecting structures in honor of the lord was what about like seminaries uh because i feel like a lot of seminary buildings are built with the intent of it to be something you know dedicated to the lord and again obviously that's kind of a different feel uh because i mean it i don't think god has problems with us creating things to honor him because technically um you know, everything we do should honor God. Everything that we're doing should uh, bring glory to God um, and not to man. And so, again, I think it just comes down to what is our heart's intent? Is it our intent to make this thing to honor God? Or is it our heart's intent to make this thing to try to put in the place of God? So... When you asked that question, Travis, my first thought was um, the the Ebenezer when they crossed the River Jordan and they raised the the pile of stones so that way people could remember what God had done. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Josh. I don't. I yeah. Thank you. Um, you're showing how ignorant I am <laughs> on the Old Testament. <laughs> Oh, you're uh, fine, Matthias. Just point to me if you need to show ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, not the goal. And I think I think that that's probably your question. I think would hinge on on that answer about whether or not that monument itself is okay, because I don't remember. Again, I'm ignorant, but I don't remember God telling Joshua to raise up the monument. I remember Joshua just doing it, and there being nothing said against it um so you i don't know that's that's i think that would be kind of the litmus test about like monuments rather than images what do you think yeah no I, that's that's a good question and i don't know the answer to that um 
was trying to I think this is why the Puritans were always so, like, you know, sad and dour because they just couldn't figure out what they could and couldn't do. So that account comes (laughs) out of Joshua 4. Um, yes. And the Lord does command it. So it does. It does. Verse okay. one says, "When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight." Hmm. Okay. So, I guess the uh, the moral of this week's. Uh, you know, tiptoe through the tulips is if God didn't explicitly tell you to do it, don't do it. <laughs> I think that's that, that's a really that's a really good lesson to learn from this. <laughs> I think the lesson is, uh, but I think so, I now I need to throw away my Martin Luther bust. <laughs> uh, you, you can give it back to me if you don't want it. I'll uh, I'll handle all idle disposal. <laughs> it's in my namesake. I mean, really. <laughs> <laughs> All right, is there anything else we, we need to cover in, in this episode, gentlemen? Um, real quick, I just like Matthias's last quote, uh, or last note. Um, or I thought it was his last note. Yeah, if you wanted to read that out, Matthias, real quick, um, I just think it was such... It, it really encapsulates, like, just the entire section 11 within that note, so... Uh, which one are you talking about? Uh, in sec- research? You, your only note in section 11 so there's only one note i could be possibly referring to oh yeah you're right okay so basically i don't know greek um and i i did uh, some extensive research because calvin uses the word uses a, a couple of greek words here um and i i have no idea what that says and the version that i had didn't think it would be helpful to translate it for me for some reason so i went to google and could only find one word. Google only knew one word, and it translated it I-D-Y-L-L, which I'm assuming is where we get the word idle. Um, so based on that one <laughs> that one presumption, uh, based on a, a faulty Google search and very little research, I said, based on the context here, he is saying that they cloak their images with the name of the divine, but deny that the idol itself is, den- is divine. However, they claim that they are merely, quote, servants of the idols rather than worshipers. But Calvin says this is merely semantics because we ultimately serve what we worship and we worship what we serve. So basically they're saying we worship the idols. We don't worship the idols. And that's that was my. <laughs> yeah. And that forced me not to make a single note on that section. because like, I can't say that any better. So I just I, I did a terrible job of basically saying exactly what Calvin said back to myself. Isn't that really what this podcast? That's is what this all whole about? thing is. I know, I know, I know. It's just me, me saying horrible, terrible things that Calvin said way better, and then you well, guys I'll, actually saying something helpful. No, <laughs> yeah, no, that's we all three excel at that. So With I have that, said one, maybe two helpful things in my life. Anyway, continue. And neither of them were on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> kidding, totally kidding. All right, so on that really hurtful and caustic note, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap things up this week. Thanks for tuning in, and until next time, keep persevering.